on you this morning. We, we are so grateful for your presence. Lord, we don't take it for granted that, that you promised to meet with us where we're gathered together in your name. And so we declare, God, that we have come with open hearts to worship you this morning, to pour out our love and our affection on you. God, be present in this place and let all that is said and done bring glory and honor to the name of Jesus this morning. We choose right now just to worship you with all that we have, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Yes, put your hands together this morning. Come on, who's excited to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Oh, we welcome you here, Father. See, nothing can separate. Nothing can separate. Even if I run away, your love never fails. I still make mistakes, but you have new mercy for me every day. Your love never fails. Come on, you stay the same. You stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid because I know that you love me. Your love never fails. Your love never fails. See, the wind is strong. The wind is strong and the water's deep. I'm not alone here in these open seas. Your love never fails. The chasm is far too wide. I never thought I'd reach the other side. But your love never fails. It's too late. You stay the same. You stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when the oceans rage, I don't have to be afraid because I know that you love me. Your love never fails. Your love never fails. See, it never fails. For your love never fails. Your love never fails. You make all things work together for my good. You make all things work together for my good. Oh, we declare today, God. You make all things 
work together for my good. It's a promise you've made. You make all things work together for my good. Come on, do you believe that today? Let's sing it out. You make, you make all things work together for my good. Oh, one more time. Let's it up. You make all things work together for my good. You stay the same through the ages. Your love never changes. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. And when the ocean's rich, I don't have to be afraid. Because I know that you love me. Your love never fails. Your love never fails. Your love never fails. Come on, just give him a shout of praise. He's worthy. Oh, and never failing God. You're worthy, 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 God. Oh, worthy, God. Thank you for your love, God. Your love never fails us, God. Never fails us. invite you here today, oh God. Come and meet with us, Father. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing could compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord. I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of love, where my heart becomes free and my shame is under your presence, Lord. Come on, one voice, let's sing it out. Holy Spirit. Are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. See, there's nothing. There's nothing worth more that could ever come close. Nothing could compare. You're our living hope. And we're alive in your Father. 
To be 
more time. Let's lift it up today.
out your place. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. Come on, church, let's just praise Him in this place today. Lift your voice. And all the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry, these bones will sing. Let's declare today. To the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Sing all the earth. Time see great. We see great. Come on, give him a shout of praise. He's worthy. You're worthy, Father. You're worthy, worthy, God. You are worthy, Father. Come on, he's awesome in this place. Yeah, come on, let's just shout to the Lord. Worthy are you, Lord. Worthy, 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 Jesus. Yeah. Woo, thank you, Lord. Man, we are going to be shouting forever for eternity. May as well practice now. Amen? Amen. Well, we're just going to encourage you to just look around you. There may be people you don't know here today. Say hello to someone, greet someone. If they're ready for a hug, give them a hug. If they need a handshake, give them a handshake. Introduce yourself. Make, make some new friends today. Thank you, Lord.
right. All right, if we could go ahead and find our seats. Great, great. And if, uh, if we could go ahead and have the ushers come up, we're going to get ready to give to the Lord this morning. And uh, where'd she go? Wow. At the end of worship, uh, Jane over here came up to me and said she was felt, felt like the Lord was giving her a word. And she said that uh, she heard God reminding her and saying that uh, everyone here are like butterflies in a cocoon, getting ready to break out, and that we just need to keep our eyes up on Jesus and that he's going to help us through that process and do it. That's the gist of it, right? And he wants to... Awesome. He wants to bring us to the next level in our walk with him. So... We just say, yes, Lord, we receive that. Whatever you want to do to transform our lives, we're open to it. All right. Well, thank you, Lord, for the chance and the opportunity to give. Uh, Lord, everything that we have is yours anyway. And uh, we're so grateful for the, the blessings that you placed in our hands and the, the opportunity we have to sow back into the work that you're doing here in the earth. God, bless the people that give and use this money to increase uh, the influence and the uh, impact of your kingdom here on earth in this region. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The ushers will go ahead and serve you. Good morning and welcome. What a privilege it is to be together on this Sunday morning. Let's take the next couple of minutes and explore our calendar and upcoming events as we continue to position ourselves for growth in 2016, our Sunday morning schedule will soon be adjusting. Sunday, July the 31st, will be our final life lessons and catch 60 downstairs at 945. We will still continue over the next couple of weeks with our basic training of the prophetic DVD series in the main stage room. Our normal coffee break will still resume at 10.30 on Sundays in the Fellowship Hall. You won't want to miss special guest and our friend, Godfrey Bertil. He will be with us on Sunday morning, July the 31st. It's sure to be an incredible time of worship and the presence of God, so we invite you to come and bring a friend. Mark your calendar for our annual church picnic on Saturday, August the 6th at McLaughlin Park in Bridgeville. There is a sign-up sheet in the foyer, or you're welcome to use the sign-up genius via email. We're excited to be gearing up for our next Life Groups launch on September the 4th. Stay tuned over the summer for more details about when and where our Life Groups will be meeting and how you can be involved. For more information about New Life Fellowship and all of our upcoming events, you're welcome to visit us online on Facebook, Twitter, or our website, nlfpittsburgh.com. Thanks so much for being with us today, and enjoy the rest of the service. All right. Well, uh, I know it's a little bit different morning, and uh, I, I was informed that there are a couple of grace announcements also that, that need to be made. Uh, there's, Dave said there's a congregational meeting next Sunday after church, immediately following the service. And then he said the ladies are actually planning a get-together. So, I don't know. I'm just going to say see Shanna and <laughs> make her responsible for it. I don't know. All right. All right. So, no ladies' luncheon today, but 
you guys will get a new date. Uh, so that, uh, that our, our daughter-in-law usually does, or our daughter usually does the uh, video announcements at home at the church, and uh, we were going to put something together for here, and I said, just to save her some work, I said, just show the same one, and Dave said that would be okay. So uh, that's, that's typically how we transition and let people know what's going on with stuff in the service besides reading the bulletin and watching all those different things. It really is great to be here with you guys. I, I so appreciate everybody uh, just coming, making the effort with the time change and everything, and uh, just welcoming us and welcoming our team this morning. Uh, most of them skedaddled because uh, they, they're doing some double duties this morning still at our, our location in Elliott, so they had to get going. We, we even had a couple people calling sick this morning. They're like, oh, I wanted to stay, but they had to go fill in. So thank you for making them feel at home and welcoming them. Uh, thanks, Russ, for running the sound. The, the, the underappreciated sound guy had his hands full this morning, but uh, thanks so much. Uh, so th this morning, I want to just continue something that we've been talking about at our church. Uh, we've been in a series called First Things First, and we've, we've been talking about uh, getting our priorities straight in life and talking about what should be the most important and the things that we do first. And this is really helping our church. Uh, we, we've really felt like God has spoken to us this year that we were in a year of growth. And, uh, and as you're growing, how many of you know it's important to get first things first when you want to grow? You know, there, there are things that have to happen before growth can happen in our lives. And that's what we've been exploring the last few weeks. And for us uh, at New Life Fellowship, if you uh, know New Life Fellowship or been around us for any length of time, our mission statement is that we're a diverse supernatural community helping people encounter Jesus Christ. And uh, one of the reasons we've been thinking that first things first is so important, how many of you know it's very difficult to have other people encounter Jesus in your life if you haven't encountered him first yourself? So, so for us, this has really been important to say, hey, we need to make sure that we are growing ourselves. If we want the church to grow, we, we have to be growing personally and, and growing and deepening our walk with Jesus. Uh, so when you think of things being first, there are a couple things that, that come to mind. Uh, sometimes you just think of something that's the most important. It takes first place in everything. Sometimes you think of something that's the best. We, we get a prize for coming in first. Uh, our, our son runs track. He has yet to get the first place prize, but I, I believe that's in the future for him. I, I think he's going to be good enough to do that at some point. Uh, sometimes you think of first just being, what do you do when you're building a house? First, you got to lay a foundation. That's, that's something that would happen first. You don't just go put up the sticks on the dirt first or you'll be like the three pigs and your house will get blown down. And then sometimes you just think of first just being in your schedule. It's the first thing that happens time-wise. Uh, who here ate dinner before you came to church this morning? No, no hands. Why not? Because dinner is later. What happens before church in the morning? We eat breakfast. Why is that? Just because it's first. It's the first thing that happens in our schedule and we put it time-wise. Gino likes dinner better than, than breakfast, maybe. But uh, that's what happens when we think of first. All those different things come into our mind, those dis different connotations. And throughout Scripture, Jesus talked about several things that were firsts. And sometimes he was talking about things that are foundational. Sometimes he was talking about things that come in your schedule. And sometimes he was saying, this is the most important. This should be first in your life. And during the last couple of weeks in, in our congregation, we've been talking about two of the first that Jesus said. We looked at uh, getting our priorities right when Jesus said, first, seek the kingdom. That, that was when he used the word first there in scripture. That was one of the meanings when he was saying, this is most important. It's, it's not just first in the schedule. You do that and then you get on with the rest of your day. He was saying everything needs to flow out of seeking the kingdom first. So that was a first we looked at. And then last week we talked about first, go be reconciled. If you remember, Jesus was talking with his disciples. They were even watching people come to church 
and bring their worship, bring their offering to offer in the, in the tabernacle. And Jesus told his disciples, hey, even if you're there to worship and you remember there's a relationship that's messed up, he said, first, go be reconciled to your brother. And that, that was actually very relevant, we felt, with uh, some of the things that were happening in our country the last couple weeks, the, the racial tensions, the shootings, the different things we've seen. Uh, we, as the people of God, are called to be the ones that go first to be reconciled to our brother. It, it is... When Jesus told that to his followers, he was implying, you don't get to wait for somebody else to make the first move. As, as my followers, you be the initiators of reconciliation. You take the first step to love your brother and love your neighbor and, and make those relationships work. Uh, so today's first is a little, little bit different one. Jesus was uh, talking with his disciples again in Matthew chapter 7 is kind of where we're going to land today. But in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 5, he said, first, get rid of the log in your own eye. How many of you have ever had a log in your eye? Like, is, it, is this a, a lumberjack competition that, you know, somebody had their chainsaw and they dropped the log on their face? It, it just sounds weird for Jesus to say that. We, we just went away on vacation for a few days and we took my mom and uh, my mom wears contact lenses. And yesterday, I don't know how she did this. She's never done this in her life, but she took her disinfecting solution, which is basically hydrogen peroxide, and she thought she was grabbing her saline, but she grabbed the disinfecting solution and rinsed her lens and stuck it in her eye. You would have thought my mom had not just a log, but a log engulfed in flame in her eyes. She screamed, she called for Pam, help, I don't know what's going on. Um, but that, sometimes we feel like naturally, oh, I've got something in my eye and it bothers me so much that I can't do anything else in life. My mom was literally crippled. For about 10 or 15 minutes, she could not do anything except rinse water through her eye and go lay on the bed and cover her eye. And she's like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And it, it eventually subsided. But how we've ever had those experiences where you have something in your eye and you just can't do anything else. I can't see straight to even get dressed, to function, to think how I'm going to do this. And it sounds funny for Jesus to say, get that log out of your eye. But he was giving them an example. It really has to do with our attitudes towards each other. And if we have things in our life that are corrupting our attitudes and our opinions and the way we interact with others, it is hard to function in life. There, there are times that we cripple ourselves because we have a log in our eye and we can't even figure out how to interact with others and, and how to manage our relationships and our attitudes. Uh, so when in the grand context of things, Jesus is talking about Hey, sometimes your friend has an issue in his life. And, and he compared that to, it's like a speck of sawdust. You see it, they, they might know something's bugging them or they might not, but you see that your friend has an issue. And Jesus was telling the disciples, sometimes our own issues compared to that little speck of sawdust, it's like a log or a beam or a plank, depending on what translation you have. And if we can't deal with our own stuff and get our own issues dealt with and out of our lives, how could we possibly imagine that we could help our brother or sister deal with an issue that's in their life. So Jesus tells them first, first, get the log out of your own eye. I mean, you know, it's, it's one thing for me to stand up here or, or your husband or your wife or your friend to tell you this is something you should do first. And you may or may not take their advice. But when Jesus says it, that should be red flags, attention grabber. We ought to focus in like a laser on that one. Like, oh, Jesus thought something was important enough that he said we should do it before anything else. When he says it's first, that ought to perk our ears up and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to pay attention to what Jesus says is first. So he had just gotten done 
If you've read through Matthew there, you know that in Matthew chapter 6, he'd been having a conversation with his disciples about uh, how to, to give, how to pray, how to fast, and how to do those things without being hypocritical. So if you, you can read the backstory later, but he was basically saying, hey, when you give, you know, don't make a big deal out of it. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. When you fast, you know, the Pharisees had this habit of they, they would disfigure their face and they would go around like, oh, I'm so miserable. And somebody would say, well, what are you doing? The Pharisees, oh, well, I'm fasting because I'm, I'm so spiritual. And, and, and when you pray, Jesus said, don't, don't put on airs, don't put on a big show with all these words like the, the pagans and the, and the religious people do. He said, go into your secret place and say, our Father, you know, you're, you're there in heaven, but you're right here with me. Holy is your name. And he taught them how to pray without pretense, without errors, without being hypocritical. Basically, the, the essence of a genuine Christian life, right? How, how we should conduct ourselves in our relationship with God and our relationship with others. And so as he's going along in Matthew 6, he, he dovetails, he follows that conversation. Here's how to give, here's how to pray, here's how to fast. He begins talking about, don't worry about stuff. You, you guys are all caught up in, where am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? Where, where are we going to stay tonight, Jesus? You could just, the disciples were real guys, right? right. And, and they, they had these questions. You're, you're following the, the rabbi, you're following this teacher, and you're wondering, we got a big group here, Jesus. How are we, we going to eat dinner? There, there was no Chipotle. You know, there, there was no China buffet down in Bridgeville that you could just run to and give them your money and say, hey, we're going to feed everybody now. It was a very real concern for them. How are we going to get food? And Jesus, right after saying, don't be a hypocrite, here's how to live a genuine Christian life, he starts talking about, don't worry about that stuff. The Father knows you need all that, and he's going to take care of it. And then he tells him one of his first, he says, but you first seek the kingdom. So it's all, almost like he just had this discussion about don't be a hypocrite, and now he's giving them some advice of how to not be hypocritical, how to be genuine in our walk with Jesus. And the first thing is really seek the kingdom. Don't, don't run after stuff. Don't, don't get your priorities out of whack. Put the Father, put the kingdom first, and you'll get all the stuff anyway. And right after he tells them to seek first the kingdom, he moves into this conversation about don't be judgmental. I just picture the disciples, because they're real guys, just like we're real people, as if it wasn't hard enough for Jesus to come and say, you shouldn't worry about stuff. Anybody else wrestle with that one? I'm, I'm going to raise my hand. I'm, I'm the pastor, and I'll raise my hand on that one. We, it's human nature. We get worried. We get wondering about stuff. As if that wasn't hard enough for Jesus to say, don't worry about stuff, he comes along right after that and says, don't be judgmental. He says, don't judge, or, or you also will be judged. It's like, oh, I just pictured the disciples. Jesus, I, I was just so convicted. I'm having a hard enough time. I'm still stuck on the don't worry thing, and now you're telling me not to judge people and not to be critical of them. Well, yes. In fact, so much that, that Jesus starts giving them another first. First, get the log out of your own eye. Why do you think this was important enough to be one of Jesus' firsts? Why, why would Jesus, you know, the, I can understand, seek the kingdom. You know, Jesus wants his, his business to be our top priority. I can see that, Jesus. But why is this a first? Jesus, Jesus why would you tell me not to judge others and, and to get the log out of my own eye? It's a fair question. Well, I think because Jesus knew that criticizing and being judgmental is a sin that all of us have struggled with at one point or another in life. I mean, we, we can think back of our, our own history, our, our relationships we've had with people. Why, 
Why do we do that? It's so easy to fall into that trap of being judgmental, but it really is sinful. It falls into that trap of hypocrisy, and it, it judging people keeps us in a place where we don't own our own shortcomings. Do you, you ever feel that way? Because what happens when we judge and we get critical, we get so caught up in watching everybody else's lives. I'm going to tell you what you're doing wrong, Dave. You want the list now, or can I give you just the top five? Like, come on. And when we start, everybody, everybody, half the people are like, oh, he just singled Dave out, and the other half are like, wait, I got stuff for the list, too. No. Well, what happens with that is I get so caught up in looking at everybody else that it takes my eyes off of what, what should I do about my own stuff, which, which is why Jesus got to the point of saying, hey, your brother has that speck in his eye. Yeah, it's there, but you've got a log in your eye that you need to deal with first. And when, when, I, when I fall into that trap of judging, I can't even see what's going on in my own life because I'm so worried about everybody else. And uh, I think ju- being judgmental and being critical of people, it is, it is a sin that ruins our Christian witness probably as fast as just about anything else you can think of. We, when we get that way, uh, people often don't hear anything else we have to say when we start being, when we lead off the conversation with being judgmental and critical. Have you ever met people like that, that they're fault, they're like professional fault finders. They, they almost think it's a, it's a spiritual gift. Like I've been called to be critical in the church. It's not in there. That, that, that is nobody's calling in the church. But we've all met or experienced people like that. And when they lead off with being judgmental and critical, it's like, I don't even want to be around that person. Come on, have we, have we, are we real in this church too? Our, our people are real and, and they, they own up to stuff. But it's like, we've all met people and it's like, I don't, I don't want to even hear them talk. Uh, if, they, if I know they're going to be in a meeting, I'm going to go sit on the other side or I'm, I'm, I'm going to avoid them somehow. And we get this reputation for being critical and being fault finders. I saw this great quote from Henry David Thoreau, the poet. He said, the fault finder will find fault even in paradise. Oh, it's like, Jesus, help me not be that person that has that reputation. Even in paradise, even when things are going great, and there should be a million reasons that we should be excited about it or, or look at the good things that are happening, we'll, we'll pick out the one tiny thing that's, that's wrong and we'll harp on that and because we're fault finders. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean we can't speak up when something's wrong. Okay, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But it just means that can't be our lead. That can't be the first thing we run into every situation saying, I can't wait to get in there to dissect it, to find out what's wrong so I can fix them. Why do we fall into that trap so easy? Why, why is it so easy to, to slip into this mode of being judgmental or critical? I think it almost, it almost always relates to how we feel about ourselves. Does anybody else like feeling good about themselves? All right, two, three, four people. Everybody else, we'll, we'll just, you can stay down in the dumps. No, we all like that. We, we want to feel good about ourselves. There's something built in that it's just, I don't want to go around being miserable all day. I've, I've done that sometimes. My wife could probably attest to that. There, there are times and seasons when you go through these, these situations where it's like, oh, I am a downer and I know it, but I don't want to stay there. I want to feel good about myself. I want to feel good about what's going on in life. And it doesn't happen. When, when we get judgmental and critical, uh, what happens is we, we often judge other people to try to make ourselves feel better. 
That, that's why it's so easy to fall into that trap because it starts with a good root. I want to feel good about myself. I want to feel good about the situation. But if we don't have Jesus at the center of our lives and have our eyes fixed on him, one of the ways that we start to feel better about ourselves is by tearing others down around us. We, we, we fall into this judgmental and critical trap. And, and we, do, we do a couple things. We either tear people down to make them worse. Come on, you vile sinners. Like, you're so awful, you're so horrible, you're so disgusting. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I feel so good about myself now because look at the mess they're in. Or the, the other piece that we do is, is we try to move into self-righteousness and build ourselves up. Thank God I'm not like those sinners. Amen, sister? Thank God that we're, we're almost perfect here, right? Those, those are two things. Without Jesus, we kind of gravitate towards those two things. I'm either going to make you feel like a worm or I'm going to tell everybody how self-righteous I am. And both of them are wrong. Both, both of them, I think, are sinful. Both of them, uh, we think it's going to make us feel better and it always produces the opposite. Be, because what happens anytime we let sin in our lives? What does sin always, always, always produce? Sin produces death, right? The wages of sin are death. Every time we let sin in, something starts to die inside of us. And so when we walk around thinking, I want to feel better about myself, but we do it without Jesus, we tear people down or we, we build ourselves up ungodly ways, sin comes in the door and it produces the opposite of what we meant to have happen. And what happens after we're so self-righteous about it or we tell other people down, uh, we end up with a bunch of ruined relationships. We, we end up uh, being dishonest about who we really are. We, we have this fear of intimacy that we can't be real with people. Or, or we move into these places where I'm so self-righteous. And I know that was on Jesus' list to deal with. He, he had the harshest words for the people that thought they were righteous in their own strength. So we, we be judgmental and critical because we want to build ourselves up. And the exact opposite happens. We really end up feeling worse than we did when we started. And I think Jesus tells his disciples and tells us not to judge because he really cares about us and he doesn't want us to open the door to sin and death in our lives. Besides it being sinful, I think there's, there's a couple other reasons that popped into my head of why we shouldn't judge people. Uh, the, the first one I thought of is we only know in part. There's, there's no way I could look at somebody's actions and know what's going on in their heart. I don't know their motives. I don't know their history. I don't, I don't know why you're acting that way. Maybe, maybe you had a terrible week or, or something's falling apart in your life and that's why you're acting out. I don't know all that. So I, I can't judge people because I only know part of the story. I, I think another reason we can't judge people is because there is no way I can be completely impartial because I've, I've had history and life experiences. And as soon as we have history and life experiences, we have a lens that we see things through. And we have a hard time being impartial. God is the only one that can be impartial. That, that's the other reason I think it's, we shouldn't judge people is because he's the only one that's ultimately qualified to do it. And that's a good amen point. Thank you, Dave. He is the only one that really has a right to do it. You know, in Genesis, he's, he's called the righteous judge. And they say, will, will not the judge of all the earth do what is right? God is the only one that could ever claim that title. Hey, I am completely impartial. I see all things. I know all things. And I can, I can render perfect judgment. I, I can do things exactly in love. I can do things perfectly. But he's the only one. And sometimes when, when we move into being judgel, judgmental and critical, it's like we're trying to take part of his job away from him. And that, that always leads to bad places. So that, that's where Jesus led up to having this conversation with his disciples in Matthew chapter 7. In verse 1, he says, Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, 
you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. How many of you have ever had someone in the world try to take that verse out of context to get you off their back? I've, I've had people, they say, hey, doesn't your Bible say not to judge? You know, it's, it's like you're, you're just trying to, to have a righteous standard in your life. You're just trying to be helpful. You're just trying to tell them, oh, here's, here's some truth that, you know, the word says if you do or don't do these things, it'll go well for you. And all of a sudden they pull out the card like, well, didn't Jesus say don't judge? And they're, what, what are they doing when they do that? They're really wanting, hey, I want to live however I want to live. Get off my back, right? And, and if, if you can shut up a Christian by quoting from their own book, how many of you know there are people in the world that have gotten really good at that? Like, hey, I'm going to know just enough of the Bible to shut up those Christians that are trying to talk to me. And so they pull out this card. Like, didn't Jesus say, don't judge, stop talking to me? And I think that is really out of context. Because it doesn't say in that verse, never help your friend get the speck out of their eye. Right? It, it doesn't say, hey, just, just let them live with their speck and they'll be fine. And, and Jesus wants us to be helping each other to live godly lives. He, he wants us to be in a position where we can get the speck out of each other's eyes and encourage to spur each other on towards good works, to do all the things that we're supposed to do, the one and others of the New Testament. We're called to do those things, which includes helping each other live godly lives. The, the rub is we can't do it well if we got a big old log sticking out of our eye. If we're being judgmental and critical about it, it colors things and it, it makes us ineffective at helping one another to walk where we need to walk. So he doesn't say don't help your friend. What Jesus is really after in that passage, what's our attitude? How are we helping people? What are, what are we feeling and saying and doing? What's our motive when we enter into that situation to address something? And I think uh, that one convicts me a lot because he says you will be judged the same way you judge others. If, if I walk into a situation, because what's the first thing I'm going to look at? If I walk into a situation geared towards, I'm going to find all the faults and be critical and judgmental about it. Jesus says that's exactly how you're going to be treated. But if I walk in there looking for the good and wanting to reinforce, hey, here's where I see Jesus in you. I want to help you walk with the Lord. That's how I'll be treated also. Because human nature is funny. Human nature... Uh, kind of really gravitates towards having a double standard in life. I saw this, this great quote this week from George W. Bush. He said, so often we judge others by their worst actions while we long to be seen by our best intentions. That's, that is a lot of wisdom right there. Isn't that the truth? It's like we, we pick out the worst in everybody and we, we try to define them by, oh, yeah, I know how you act and that, that's, that's what you are. Yet we want to be seen as, hey, whether I did it right or not, just look at my intentions. I had the right intentions. I wanted to be a nice guy. And that's, that's the double standard we fall into with human nature. But I think kingdom nature always focuses on where's Jesus? Where's the good in the situation? What is he doing that I can begin to come into agreement with and, and affirm what's going on? We are called to go from glory to glory. Amen? Isn't, isn't, that, what, isn't that the un, progressive unfolding of the life of Christ in our life? We are called to go from glory to glory. How can we help each other do that if we're always being critical and fault-finding? The, the secret and the key to that is I need to look for Jesus in you and begin speaking to that. That's, that's what I'm after to help us grow. The image of Christ is in each one of the people in this room. If you are saved, you have Jesus' image inside of you and the Holy Spirit's really working hard. Some of us, he's working harder than others, I think, uh, especially me. He's really working 
to try to develop the image of Jesus in every aspect and, and area of our lives. And that's part of why he puts us in the body for us to come alongside of each other and say, hey, I see Jesus in you in that place. Let, let me begin to come into agreement with that and help you along. Uh, here's, here's a verse in Philippians that I thought was fantastic because we, we think about this. We tell people, oh, you need to think right and purify your thoughts and all this. In Philippians 4, 8, uh, Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. How many, are you familiar with that verse? I mean, you've read that verse and, and we try to use it to renew our mind. Like, I'm going to think about good things. I'm going to think about Jesus. I'm going to think about church. What if we actually need to apply that verse to people? And, and oh, when, when, I, when I think of Dave, there's, I can say Dave and it's like several guys I could get an example of. When, when I think of Dave, according to Philippians, what if I use that verse to think of how am I going to think about Dave? When, when, when he pops into my head, am I going to think about all the things he did wrong? Oh, man, he owes me money. He, he borrowed my tool and didn't give it back. Or he's, he, whatever it is, is that the first thing that pops into my head? Or am I going to think about what is pure and what is noble and what is lovely and come into agreement with those things? I, I think that, that is a challenging verse to think, oh, it's not just for my own mind, but I'm going to use it to govern and manage my relationships with people in the body. What, what is my first impulse of what to think of when I think of others? So Philippians 4.8, that could be some great homework this week. Take that verse and think about it when we think about how we interact with others and what we expect and, and have from them. Uh, so back to Matthew 7, the, the message had a great version of this passage that I just wanted to read it to you. Matthew 7 verse 1 says, Don't pick on people, jump on their failures, criticize their faults, unless, of course, you want the same treatment. So, hey, if you want to be judgmental and critical, great. Just know that that's what we're going to get back. And uh, verse 2 says that critical spirit has a way of boomeranging. Verse 3 says it's easy to see a smudge on your neighbor's face and be oblivious to the ugly sneer on your own. Do you have the nerve to say, let me wash your face for you when your own face is distorted by contempt? It's this whole traveling roadshow mentality all over again, playing a holier-than-thou part instead of just living your part. Wipe that ugly sneer off your own face and you might be fit to offer a washcloth to your neighbor. Man, Jesus said some hard things sometimes. But why did he say them? He said them for our benefit. You know, the point again in, in that passage is if we deal with our own stuff first, we can help others. Even, even in the message there, it gives the connotation, not the, the speck in the beam, but it's like, hey, I've got my face is all dirty and I've got these attitudes and these ungodly things like we, we can all see that on people's faces sometimes right you just know you're going to get it and Jesus says wipe that off first you know deal with your own attitude deal with your stuff and don't just stop there don't say well I dealt with my stuff I'm good it's me and Jesus we're, we're okay now he actually gives the connotation now you can help people once, once we deal with our own attitudes, that ought to be the first thing I'm looking for. Hey, I got victory over this. I, I, I overcame being a sarcastic, uh, whatever you want to fill in that blank with, I've probably been in my life. Once you overcome that, man, I can help others now. Whatever the issue is, I, I can look around and help others. This is how I found freedom in Jesus, and this is what he can do for you. But we don't do it from a place of pointing our finger and being critical and judgmental. We do it from a place of realizing, man, I washed my face. 
let me let me help you get yours cleaned up now too. There, there is a difference between being judgmental and having discernment about things, right? We, we are called as the body of Christ to have discernment, to know right and wrong, to know the, the appropriate way to live or not. It's just the attitude behind that thinking. Jesus did tell his followers to, to judge. We're, we're going to read a couple verses here where Jesus actually said, you, you're called to judge, but it's not a contradiction to me telling you not to judge. That, anybody else ever read these verses and be like, wow, that's funny. Jesus said, don't judge. And then over here, he tells them to judge. It really is about the attitude and the intent of our heart. And in, in Matthew 7, Jesus is saying, don't be judgmental. Don't be critical about it. But he did call us to have discernment. Here's, here's a couple of verses. Uh, John 7, 24 says, look beneath the surface so you can judge correctly. He was actually in, in the middle of a conversation. He had just healed a guy and it made the religious leaders mad. Isn't that, isn't that weird? You, I read these stories in the Bible sometimes and I think, how can you guys call yourselves followers of God? Here's a guy that just got set free, healed and, and delivered and you're mad about it. You know, Jesus did it on the Sabbath, or he didn't do it in the way you liked it. And Jesus tells his followers, hey, you got to look beneath the surface, and you can judge correctly. He, he's telling them it's okay to have discernment, to know what's going on in this situation. And it didn't contradict him saying, don't judge, or you'll be judged yourselves. And Matthew 7, I think, is a great uh, implication of that verse. He says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. There is some discernment we are called to have, to see the fruit that's coming out of people's lives and know what's going on there. Refusing to be judgmental doesn't mean that we don't help people to grow. Okay, if, if, if you've been walking with Jesus for any length of time, that should be part of our call in life, is to help other people grow. There's, there's always somebody ahead of me that I'm watching to follow after. I've got peers here, and I should always have somebody behind me that I'm bringing ahead. Like, hey, I've walked through this. Let me tell you how you could save yourself a lot of time and heartache. Man, don't, don't we all wish we, we had enough wisdom to listen to that when we were younger from people that were older in the faith? Man, I, I would have avoided so many mistakes if I would have just listened to your advice. But that's part of the call we have, is to help people in their growth. And I think part of it comes out of, part of judging each other is to help us on our walk with Jesus. And we have to do it out of a place of respect for the fact that we're all on a journey with him. They're, they're, come on, we, we all know what our own stuff is, right? When, and when I say that, I mean the, the stuff that Jesus still deals with us every day. Like, hey, I want this out of your life. I want this in your life. We've all got our own stuff. And we need to realize he's dealing with all of us about something. And we can't get so in a place of judgmental, critical, I've, I've arrived and you guys are just the peons. On. Any, anytime we start that us them talk or me and we and us like there are some really ungodly things that happen when we get to a place where I think I don't need anybody to speak into my life I've got it together I've, I've read the Bible twice I've read the Bible or whatever people say we get to a place where we don't think we need to grow and then we start getting judgmental Galatians 6.1 this is a great verse it says if someone is caught in a sin you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself or you also may be tempted. There is a role of having discernment and the body surrounding people. Let me help you get out of that sin you're trapped in. Another verse in Ephesians 4.15, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. 
I, I hate to admit it, but sometimes I've done it, and sometimes I think that the church at large in the, the country has done it. We get really good at speaking the truth, but we forget the in love part. Has anybody ever heard things that sound like that to you? It's like we're really good at beating people up with what's in black and white in this book, but we forget the, the attitude and the love of Jesus behind us. And that's, that's what Jesus is after when he says, don't judge or you'll be judged yourselves. He wants us to be walking in love where we can, we can help each other in our walk with Jesus because we've let him address the stuff in our own lives. Fault finding is a character flaw, but there is hope for us. Look at your neighbor say, he's talking to you now. <laughs> Nobody, only two people did that. You're like, I don't know. My neighbor might not take that well. It is a character flaw, but there is hope. And, and it starts with us spending some time with the Holy Spirit just to evaluate ourselves. Lord, just like, just like David in the Psalms, Lord, examine me. See if there's any wicked way in me. That's where we have to start in our walk with Jesus. Lord, what's going on? My, and, and even if you see something, hey, I see that issue in that person over there. It really needs to be addressed. But Lord, help me first. Let, am I doing this in love? Do I have a right attitude and a right heart? Have I examined myself first to get a log out of my own eye? before I go help somebody else with the speck. And I thought of these questions. Uh, if you suspect or even wonder, Lord, am I critical? Am I judgmental about things? Uh, I saw some good questions to ask, uh, and I've asked them to myself this week. Do, do I tend to focus on what is wrong with people or what is right with them? Which my first impulse and my first response there. Do, do most of my criticisms humiliate or edify others? Come on there. I... I know I'm, I've not always been the grand spiritual giant that you see standing before you. I, I have gone through seasons in my life where my favorite thing to do was see if I could poke somebody and needle them enough with my words until they cried. I'm, I'm not proud of admitting that, but, but that is what I was like a lot when I was younger. I would look for situations of, what can I say to really stick it to somebody? And that, that is not what you're supposed to be doing as a Christian, okay? I just make that very clear. I had to come to a place where I realized I'm not helping Jesus. I'm, I'm hurting people. And I had to come to a place where I realized is, is my criticism, is my feedback to people for the goal of humiliating them or edifying them in their walk with Jesus. And, and I'm not perfect in that. I still do things. And man, I'm, maybe I shouldn't have brought you today, Pam. I'm, don't, don't ask Pam later, because she does have stories. But, but I've, I'm not perfect, but I'm, I'm working on that, and I'm recognizing it. That is a weakness in me that I always need to be on guard about. Uh, do I insist on being right or righting my wrongs? That's a great question to ask ourselves. Do I always have to have my way? I, I have got to win. Every, anytime we get into a place, especially in discussions with our spouse or our family, if the discussion moves into, I have to be right, and, and now there's a winner and a loser, that's not God's best plan for that circumstance. Uh, here's another question. Is it hard to ask for forgiveness when I realize I was at fault? Oh, that goes to a whole nother level when it's your kids you have to apologize to. I've, I have learned that one in life. Like, it's okay. I could apologize to Pam. I can apologize to other people. But then it's like your kids. Like, I'm supposed to be the dad. I'm perfect. It's my way or the highway. And it's like, oh, I just realized I, I did something to hurt my kids and I need to go apologize. I need to humble myself and apologize. Is it hard to ask for forgiveness? We might be critical if we say yes to that. 
Uh, do I think being cynical is normal? Oh, I'm not even going to comment on that one. I'm just going to move right along. Uh, do I use a lot of sarcasm to insulate myself or try to get people to like me? Those are all questions that, those are very real questions to deal with in our lives to say, Lord, is there something going on in me that, that is a log that I need to get out of my eyes so I can help the people I love grow and be more like you? And, and just to close today, this is what I, I thought we'd do as we pray and close today. Uh, I put a picture of glasses on the screen because I think part of what we can do is we can ask the Holy Spirit, give us, give us some kingdom glasses, adjust our prescription for when we look at others around us. How are we seeing them? What is the first thing we see when we look at them? Is it something that I'm going to be critical about and nitpick them? Or is it going to be, Lord, I want to see them just like you see them? Because what, is, what does God see when he looks at us? Does, does God not see Jesus? Does he not see the image of Christ that's being formed in us? We, we love that. Lord, thank you. You overlook my faults and you just see Jesus when you look at me. Should we not be extending that to the people around us? It's like the very thing we, we love God for, that you don't see my faults, you see Jesus. You help me grow. You make me more like you every day. Why don't we do that for others? Man, that's awesome. I, I saw when you helped that lady the other day. That was the character of Jesus that you had in you. Like there should be things we should be reinforcing in one another to, to cause that image of Jesus to be seen in us. Let's go ahead and stand and we're going to pray together. Thank you, Lord. And I, and I tell our folks at home this sometimes. You, you don't have to agree with this prayer. <laughs> If, if, this is, if it's too much work to think about, hey, I want to see people different or, or manage my relationships different, it's fine. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus isn't twisting your arm this morning and neither am I. But I think if we're in a place where we want to see people different and we want to say, Lord, examine me and help me to see the way that you see, then, then we're going to pray this and agree together this morning. Father, we come to you right now. And, and the first thing we do, Lord, is, is if you've brought something to our mind right now, if you've brought a, a person or a situation to our mind that we haven't handled well, and we've, we've done things that have been judgmental and critical and things that have actually pushed people away from you, uh, Lord, we repent and we, we just say, Father, forgive us for how we acted in that situation. And God, I thank you that, that you are so big that you can clean up messes, <laughs> that, that anything that we've done wrong that you can come and give a second chance in that situation you can even uh, make a way where there seems to be no way for us to mend that relationship and to come into a place of, of being an encourager instead of a criticizer lord i thank you that, that you give us eyes to see exactly the way that you do uh, the things that the things in people that you see and, and you reinforce and you love and and you you edify and cause them to be built up in their walk with you give us the eyes to see and to do that as well lord we we love you we love your body we love the people that you've placed here with us and lord we our heart's desire is to help one another grow and to walk in a place where we can be encouragers to say we we are in this together and we are running the race together and we are all going to get there together Lord, we love you and we honor you this morning. We, we thank you for the ability to walk with you and to help others walk with you as well. Lord, even as, as we go from this place today, God, I ask that you would remind us that you walk right there with us. That you desire to, to give us discernment. You desire for us to see situations the way you do and that you are there with us in the midst of it. And we don't take that for granted, Lord. We don't take it lightly. We ask that you would continue 
to guide and direct our steps. Keep your hand upon our lives for good. Uh, Lord, even, even as we received a word this morning that, that we are all uh, going to a new level in you, that you are, you're bringing us out of a cocoon and in, into a new place, Lord, I ask that you would do that in very real and practical ways, that even, even in the midst of a situation that we respond differently than we would have before, remind us of this morning and that word, Lord, that, that you brought us out and brought us to another level in you. And God, we honor you, we give you glory. We thank you, Jesus, that you have been present with us and met with us this morning. We ask that your name would continue to be glorified and made famous here in this region. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, what we're going to do 